is episode 10 of the Behind the Mic podcast. I'm Mike Antonellis. Thanks again for tuning in. Appreciate all the support, everyone listening on any uh, listening device, all the, the podcasts, uh, platforms. This podcast is available on it, so I uh, appreciate you tuning in and all the love that we get on Facebook. Behind the Mic is on Twitter, behind the underscore Mike, behind the underscore Mike on Instagram, and on Facebook, Behind the Mic 73. And we've been uh, putting up some pretty cool things, polls, asking people their favorite movie. I kind of like to to get everyone's attention. But um, I first wanted to start it in right away with, with something that was really hard to deal with this week, and that was the passing of the Boston Globe's Nick Cafardo. And I'm very fortunate in what I do, uh, very lucky to be a broadcaster, uh, very lucky to work for the Portland Sea Dogs. And one of the huge benefits uh, that I have received from that is being able to go down to Fort Myers. And so many things when you look at it from the surface or you look at it like, oh, I'm getting a chance to go to Florida and chance to be in the sun, a chance to watch baseball. But then after you go for so many years, you start to realize that there are other things that you go down there for become more important. And one of the things that I've, I've always loved about going down to Fort Myers is I get to see so many people that I'll only see that week, players that won't be in Portland, big league guys. Uh, I, there's people around the ballparks that I've gotten to know over the years uh, just from going down there so much, coaches that have moved on, Red Sox front office people. But one of the things that I've really enjoyed is getting to know the Boston beat writers. Now, I've formed a terrific relationship with them. They reach out to me a lot for information because they cover our guys as well. They want to know about a Bobby Dahlbeck, a Mookie Betts. Uh, They follow me on Twitter. I follow them. And they're all terrific people. And I know that on Twitter, people like to take shots at certain guys. But I've been around all of them, and they are amazing people. And one of those amazing people that I got to know was Nick Cafardo. Nick reached out to me. I think back uh, 2005, 2006, he did a story on Adrian Gonzalez when he signed here. He wanted some information about Adrian Gonzalez playing here at Hadlock. I can remember clear as day. He wanted to know how many home runs he hit to left field. But every time I would go to spring training and go into the press room at JetBlue Park, Nick would always talk to all of us. Um, and he treated me just like I was a, a big league broadcaster, a big league writer. But he's such a great person. And he always wanted to know how the Sea Dogs were doing, how I was doing. And I just love to talk to him. And there's so many, Peter Abraham, Dan Shaughnessy, Maureen Mullen. I can go on and on and on. Uh, there's just so many great people in that press box. And that was a, a big part of my week going down there. I just love to go up there, talk to all those guys. But Nick was someone that I would always sit down with and just chat and just an amazing person. And I like the fact that I knew him for that, not that he's this amazing baseball writer, which he was and will always be, but the fact that he's such a great human being and so kind and treated everyone the same. And you're seeing a lot of tweets, you're seeing a lot of Facebook posts, but uh, certainly that is something that I wanted to put out there that that was tough uh, to deal with this week and and still is. And uh, rest in peace, and we, we hope the best for Nick's family. We're going to get ready for episode 10. i got a great guest for you, Dave Wilson, uh, a broadcaster in, in so many different sports. Dave can call it all, football, basketball, baseball, 
He had been the voice uh, with the Akron baseball team in Double A. We first met uh, back in 2006 when Dave was filling in, and the Sea Dogs were playing the Akron Arrows. That's what they were called at the time in the Eastern League Championship Series. But again, you know, things on the surface and things you look at when you get into broadcasting, and when you've been doing it for a while, you don't think of. When you get in it, all you think about is just doing it. You don't think of some of the other benefits that come with it. And one of the big benefits, and I've talked about it a lot in this podcast, was the relationships. And I'm so fortunate to have this relationship with a great broadcaster but a better person. Here's Dave Wilson. All right, Dave. Uh, 2006 is when we first met, when the Sea Dogs and then the Akron Arrows at the time were in the Eastern Lake Championship Series. Hard to believe how long it's been, but I, I remember that very well, Mike. And uh, I, I was doing Class A ball at the time for the Lake County Captains, which uh, happened to be just outside of Cleveland, and I had a chance to fill in that fall when the Arrows went to the finals, and uh, turned out to be a five-game series and a real classic. And of course, Portland won it uh, in Game Five on a Sunday afternoon. And uh, it was just a fun uh, series, and you're right. That's the first time we had a chance to cross paths professionally and uh, turned out to be a great friendship. Yeah, I've really enjoyed uh, this podcast because I've gotten a lot of people on that have meant a lot to me and that uh, we're colleagues. But, I mean, obviously I think our friendship for me is more important than the fact that uh, we both kind of do the same job. And uh, isn't that been the great thing about this business too, when when you're in it for a while, is the people you meet? There's no question. I think you could say that probably in every walk of life, but certainly seems to be very prominent in in our line of work in broadcasting. And really, the enjoyment that comes from just interacting with your with your colleagues and uh, sort of going through the process together of becoming a broadcaster and and going through that that type of a career and having people to share it with and to uh, commiserate with and the good times and bad uh, that really is what really makes uh, makes it all worthwhile i think after a while you start to you know forget the scores and the outcomes of all of these different games uh, but you do remember uh, the great friendships that you make yeah i agree what uh inspired you to to do this i mean i think for a lot of us it, it probably starts at a young age i'm assuming that Maybe that hit with you, loving sports, and then kind of the broadcasting fell in your lap, or was it the other way around? Well, you and I, being more seasoned uh, individuals, uh, we can look back to uh, you know a sort of a, an earlier era where uh, where sports and and in particular baseball on the radio was really the go to medium for mm. consuming the sport. And so I grew up in central Indiana, which was a hotbed for the Cincinnati Reds. And all of the Reds games, of course, were then and are still on the great powerhouse station 700 WLW out of Cincinnati. And I I just remember being being a Reds fan and sort of being brought up in our household to follow the Reds. And that game was on every single night. Yeah. And so we'd play all day and we'd listen to the Reds at night uh, because very few games when I was growing up were on television. And so you got to know the the players through the voices of the announcers, which 
you know, when I was growing up, it was Marty Brenneman and Joe Nuxall on the Reds games, night in, night out. Yeah. And so after a while, I got to thinking when I would listen to these games and listen to Marty, and here he would be sitting in uh, Los Angeles or St. Louis or Chicago, and I'm hearing it in Pendleton, Indiana, right then. Uh, it just seemed very cool to me, and it sort of planted a seed that, uh, started to grow later on when I got to high school. My, my school, fortunately, had a student-run radio station, and I had a chance to get involved in doing sports, and it just sort of blossomed from there and sort of had an affinity for it and some ability to do it, and uh, I've you know ridden it to this day. Yeah, it's great. I, I think so many of those guys, because I know who the, those guys you're talking about that did the Reds games and – they're larger than life characters. I think they influence a ton of people. I listen to guys like that in Boston growing up, and it's amazing how many people they've probably influenced, Dave. If you think about it, there, you know, we talk about trees and uh, coaching trees in football, but you got to imagine that those guys like Harry Carey, Vin Scully, Ralph Kiner, Tom Brenneman, Marty Brenneman, the Bucks. How many people they've influenced to get into broadcasting? I don't think there's any question about it. I've always felt that. Uh, I didn't try to necessarily copy uh, the guys that I listened to on on broadcasts as I was growing up and, and even once I hear now, but I do try to emulate uh, the way they handle things or the way they broadcast certain situations or certain plays. I still try to do it myself in, in a natural way that, that I do it, but I look back and I think just the, the nuances and the way the game is presented or the way they handled the games uh, certainly had an impact on me. And, you know, I think, you know, just adding on to what we were talking about of, of listening to games when I was younger, that was really my entertainment. Like I would, I would, uh, I was finally shocked when one day we were uh, driving up, uh, north to Ohio to see some relatives and my dad had the car radio on and all of a sudden there was a, a Cleveland Indians game on hmm. Yeah, and it wasn't Marty it was another guy it was Herb Score and I was listening to him it sounded totally different but it was cool in its own way it was a different guy and that that's when it dawned on me as maybe a seven or eight year old was that well, there's, there's one of these broadcasts for every team. Yeah. And so at that point, then I started tuning my AM radio at night to hear the Detroit Tigers or the St. Louis Cardinals or the New York Mets or Yankees or whatever station you can pull in. And, you know, at, at night, even to this day, uh, even in the advent of online radio with every station available on your devices, I still think it's cool to play around with your AM radio at night and see what stations you can bring in. And that's what I did when I was younger. And that's how I listened to, you know, lots of different announcers and lots of different sports. Mm. And I think that had a big impact on me. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's funny. I, I love the stories because we all have uh, similar stories. You know, I remember, like you said, we, the Red Sox games were on, but then when the cable came in, we didn't get to see a lot of them. And I would go to my grandparents, and I think this is part of how I got influenced with broadcasters. They had cable. I was probably 9, 10, and they had the Cubs, so they had 
Harry Carey. They had the Yankees on PIX, which Phil Rizzuto. And they had the Mets, WOR, which was Ralph Kiner. And those are three older guys, but wall of personality, all different. And I just could not, I, I couldn't stop watching and listening to those guys, even though it was TV. But they were just like superheroes to me. And I, uh, I wanted to be like them. Uh, and then the Braves, they were on all the time. But it's uh, it's it's really cool how that you know is influenced, and, and it it might be different now too in this era, but it's something that we can certainly hold on to from our childhood. You know, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I, and the advent of television, when you started getting into the N, NBC game of the week, and you were hearing you know guys like uh, Tony Kubek and Joe Garagiola. And oh yeah, Ben Scully was doing that for a while, or Bob Costas and. Then you started, you know, more and more games started getting on television, and <laughs> you had a chance to then hear a whole different genre of broadcasting. And it wasn't it wasn't the same as the hometown radio guys, but no. it was uh, it was totally different and, and fascinating the way all of that was done. And so, you know, people today with you know with every game on television, and you can access every broadcast from every team on radio or television it's you know it's a little different it doesn't have that same wow factor as it did when i was younger uh but at the same time it's still wonderful to be able to sort of consume and 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 get exposure to all of these different styles of broadcast and uh, i think that's great for young broadcasters to be able to do that and that's really the advice i always give yeah, I wish uh, I I told my parents this. Just listen. Yeah, just listen and absorb it. That's the best homework. If if I was able to watch though, like if I lived now, growing up, having a tablet with all those games, that would have been in heaven. So that would have been really neat to be able to have that MLB package at a young age. But yeah. that that is great advice for, and we do have young kids that are listening to this. Um, I say, yeah, do do it as much as you can. But listening, that's even a better tool. And uh, when those guys sound natural, it's because they've been doing it so long. Yeah, I, I think if you want to be the best, you you listen to people who have achieved the highest levels. Sure. Whether it's in football or hockey or whatever sport you're interested in, or really whatever business you want you want to go in, you, you don't talk to people who have uh, not succeeded. So if you know, naturally, if you want to go into to broadcasting, best thing you can do is a listen to good broadcasters and put what you hear into practice, and b go somewhere where you can do it. And I always think back, Mike, to the uh, the, the Keith Jackson advice to young people. He always said, "Go to Boise," and uh, you know, Boise was a euphemism for a small market a small station yeah. where you can go and get on the air and do, you know, lots of different things and have a chance to call different sports. And, uh, it's a, a training ground where your mistakes are not going to cost you all that much. And it's a chance to, uh, to develop yourself. And so I think if you, if you take those two steps, uh, you can really get a good foothold in this business and have a chance to move up. Dave, you've had a lot of success doing a ton of different sports. Uh, just tell us and the listeners right now what you're doing. I know I, I see you on Twitter all the time. 
very fortunate to be uh, uh, involved in a, in a lot of things here in, in the Cleveland area because it's uh, such a great area for for high school and college and, and pro sports. But uh, I've had a chance to be involved with Kent State University for nine years doing uh, basketball for them. I do their women's basketball games and occasionally have a chance to help out on uh, men's basketball and, and volleyball and some of their other Olympic sports. And uh, fortunate to do both radio and, and television there for Kent State. And uh, just great people. And uh, do college football down at uh, Division Two Ashland University, which is uh, midway between Columbus and Cleveland. And I've been doing that for a few years. And uh, it's just a great... Uh, great opportunity to do college football at a, at a, at a high level at division two and uh, great, great coaching staff and great players come through there at, at Ashland. So those are really my two big primary things. And then do a lot of high school uh, championship events here on, on statewide radio. And just, uh, you know, as you know, Mike, uh, anything that involves a check, I'm usually, <laughs> I'm usually there. So, yeah, you know, what's uh, I, I found and I learned this, from doing things here in the off season at the doesn't matter what level uh, the college and high school excitement and the intensity is so different from minor league sports. And that something you just don't realize because you get locked into 140 baseball games in the minor leagues. I, it, you know, it's not I, completely not about winning. It's a lot about development, but it, it, it's all about winning at those college levels. And it, and for broadcasters out there, you kind of feed off that emotion. I agree. It it it, uh, it brings out the best in in you as a broadcaster. If you feel something's on the line, and you can feel that in the players and the coaches and in your audience, it, there's no way you can, I think, uh, shield yourself from from uh, getting kind of caught up in that. And I think that helps your presentation. Yeah. And you know, I, I agree with you about minor league baseball, and I feel like it's been a real mistake. Uh, over the years by major league organizations and by you know the minor league teams themselves to somehow find a reason to downplay the outcome of the games. And I, I feel that's not it also the players themselves. It, to me, if if you're trying to develop a winning ball player, the last thing you want to tell him is that the games that he is playing in do not matter. And so, but that's, uh, that's for someone else to decide. But I always have felt like, you know, if it does matter who wins. I agree. I especially think it when you get to the higher levels, because now a lot of these different than ever, you know, that being in the Cleveland market, they've always been really good with younger guys, but, but these guys are just better. So if, uh, you know, Juan Soto was playing in low A last year, and, and I think we could see that possibly change down the road, which would be nice. A uh, competent baseball player. Yeah. I think there's a big difference there because there are certain aspects of, of the game, the, the greatest game, because there are there are very minute nuances that a, a winning ball player is exceptional at that an average ball player is not, and those are. Those are the things such as hitting behind a runner, giving yourself up, always throwing to the right pace. You, you can go on and on and on. What winning ball players do to help their team win 
that never shows up in the stat sheet. And I think if you're conditioned to say none of that matters, then at the time when you're coming up to the minor leagues, yeah, you're you're not you're not mastering those those little things that will put you over the top at the big league level. Great point. I know that you're uh, you're at home right now doing this, and I uh, I had a great opportunity to spend time amazing place. I can't tell you how much I I love doing that last baseball season and how great that town is. Yeah, we're going to do it again when you come back through again next summer. I hope. And yeah. uh, you're, I don't think Mike and and you've had more travels around New England than I have, but England area. But uh, yeah, you, you drive drive in through here. You feel like uh, you're driving right. And uh, it's, uh, it's a great place to raise a family and lots of great people around here. And uh, uh, just a uh, place we settled here in, in 2002 when we came up uh, to Ohio for the job with the alluded to earlier and uh, just uh, fell in love with it. And that's, uh, it became our home. Yeah, it's such a great place. You're very lucky to, to live in that area. That And, you know, what's great about traveling in, in minor league baseball and in sports, you get to see different places and you get to learn a little bit about what the cultures are like and and I I find that fun those are the little things when you get into broadcasting you don't realize and I see it a lot in Maine when when all you guys come up here because you think the world of uh, you know lobster up here in the ocean so th- that's kind of the stuff you you just never you don't plan on when you get into this and it's one of those surprising things that I've really taken to and liked I think the the worst thing you can do if you're in sports and and broadcasting and you're you're in a position to travel uh, is to simply you know, lay around your hotel until it's time for the game and then uh, hightail it out of town with the team. I think it's uh, it's always a great opportunity to to find new places and new people and meet people and talk with them and. You know, I, I think there's great uh, opportunities for for growth in in every experience that you have, and so when you have a chance to travel around, especially on someone else's dime, uh, take advantage of it and see what's out there, and uh, have a chance to expand your horizons a little bit. So that's uh, that's one thing that I would encourage anybody who's who's listening that is in our business to uh, to make sure you take advantage of. Uh, the opportunities to see in new places and meet new people. Hey, Dave, thanks a lot for doing this. I really appreciate it. Mike, always great to talk with you. You're one of the best, <laughs> and I look forward to seeing you again very soon. I really hope you enjoyed that interview. I uh, I thoroughly enjoyed talking with Dave and hearing those stories about the Cincinnati Reds and some of those great broadcasters, and that was great, and, and that's a great episode number 10. I also wanted to... to do something, too, when we're talking about young broadcasters during that podcast. Don't be a troll, all right? I'm just going to put it out there. If you're a young broadcaster, you're trying to come up in the business, you're saying, you know what? I'm seeing these guys on TV that work at these big networks, and they're, and they're saying these mo- most outrageous things, and they're getting all these followers, they're getting all these tweets, and they're making all this money. Okay, there could be a couple of them, right? There are a couple of guys that are making a lot of money to say things that are ridiculous. But think about how many people are going to try to do that right now. Millions. Your odds of getting to where those guys are are very slim. I'm not saying you can't, but I would not take that approach. And I've been told by so many people in this business at times, oh, you've got to do that. That's how you get the likes. That's how you get the follows. Really? 
I don't like to call out people, so I won't do it. But I will tell you a guy on Fox Network right now that's doing this a lot and calling Tom Brady the luckiest quarterback of all time. So now you can figure out who that person is. Well, I was, I was curious because he's called out by many that say, well, his method is working. Well, I checked his Twitter followers. He has 39,000 followers. Hey, that's a lot more than me. I really don't care about any of that stuff, how many followers I have. I, don't, I, don't, uh, I, I appreciate if I had 100, that'd be nice. But then I looked at some people who do it the right way. I looked at some people in Boston, Mike Reese, of the, uh, who covers the Patriots for ESPN.com. Mike never is controversial. He's just factual. Mike's got 260,000 followers. Field Yates, ESPN reporter, not a controversial guy. Think he's got a half a million. You don't need to be that guy. You don't need to do things and have hot takes. Be yourself. That's it. If that's your your stick, but be factual. Don't say things just to get a reaction because in the long run, you're going to lose a lot of credibility. Be yourself. Have fun with this. Broadcasting is a lot of fun. Episode 10 was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening. Peace and love.